Hey everybody, it's me, John Raphael. Welcome to OK, Let's Go. Five topics, 30 minutes. I'm a little demure today, a little tired, um, but hey, I'm happy to be here as always. And for the people who are not loving and just like that, um, guess what? I'm not going to talk about it today because there's a lot of other crazy stuff to deal with. So I'd like to welcome back the king of the Midwest, Jake Giles. Welcome back to the podcast. How's it going? Oh, thank you. It is great to be back. I am doing all right. I'm also hanging in there. Can you give us a life update, a music update? Give us the goods. Oh, my. Um, let's see. I still am living in Chicago, having a great summer. Obviously, it's one of the best times to live in the city. And there has been no shortage of beach and bars and food. I'm still doing a ton of cooking, and I'm loving it. I want to do it all the time. Um, I am still working on my EP. I got all the guitars done. I got drums done for three songs. And then I wrote a new song actually last week that I think is one of the best things I've ever done. And I'm really excited about it. Well, that's super, super exciting. I mean, anytime that the creative juices can flow, I think that's great. I've also been watching your cooking stories on Instagram. I think you need to overlay some of your music over it too. Like <laughs> let's double cross promote, but whatever you made yesterday with like the, the chicken thighs, like in the broth or whatever, it looked so delicious. It was a chicken ragu and with rosemary tomato sauce and you just let it boil and simmer. And I mean, it, chicken just falls apart and it you put it over polenta and it's so good. Mm. Where did you like get this cooking inspiration? Because I don't remember you cooking so much when you lived in Los Angeles. Honestly, it was I was I got off Twitter. I had a lot of more free time and I my friend told me about the chef that he liked and her name was Carla Lolly Music. And he sent me a video of her making this pasta. And I was just I instantly fell in love with her approach. She was just very like here's what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. She was also just funny. And so I just started watching more of her videos and wanting to cook more, which just led me down this whole educational journey of trying to learn the right techniques and trying to learn recipes that are go-to that I could just have in my back pocket and have the ingredients ready or know to shop for the ingredients without even having to look them up. And I think changing my approach to cooking and doing it more and having the right equipment and understanding what why I'm doing the things I'm doing in a recipe unlocked it for me. I love that. I, I can relate to that too. I mean, we'll be talking about social media today, but like the main reason I do use TikTok is for the food recipes, because I think just seeing what other people can cook is just like music. Like it can inspire us to kind of do our own thing and kind of learn more about the whole process. And that's one of the positives of social medias, but we'll get into the negatives, but <laughs> I cannot have you on this podcast without talking about music. So I need your hot take. What did you think of the Kelly Clarkson album? Oh, I like the Kelly Clarkson album. I think for a album that's supposed to be about the total arc of a relationship, I appreciate her approach to not just doing an all out, you know, angry record, because that's not all of the emotion that goes into a divorce. But I think there are some moments where she kind of held back and I, I wanted some more of that anger. I get why she did. Like she has kids and she's been open about leaving 100%. off some of the more passionate, angry songs from the album to protect them. And I support that. But I think creatively, I see her get really, really good when she is tapped into that like kind of angry spot. And that's why I think like some of the best songs to the album. First of all, I think the best song on the album, and I hope it should be, I hope it's a, a hit, is Rock Hudson. 100%. It is. I mean, talk about just a perfect pop record. Kelly Clarkson, Rock Hudson. I want everyone to listen to it. And I do hope it becomes a single. I don't know if she's going to do like much music video since she recorded her whole birthday show. And that's kind of serving as the whole kind of video package, which fine. Yeah. But like that song needs to be serviced to radio if, if radio is even a thing anymore. But I do think it deserves a single treatment. 
And I think that is a great observation and question just about her in general is like she's in her 40s. She's not courting Gen Z. She, and radio is not really a thing as much as it was when she was huge. So it just begs the question of like who her audience is and who was buying this record. And it's people that watch the talk shows, people that have been fans of her since American Idol. And, you know, those that's who she's appealing to. And those people were going to buy it anyway. I don't think it's reasonable to expect a massive hit from someone like her. But, you know, we say that and then. Kylie Minogue releases Padam Padam, and it's the biggest hit she's had since 2007 or eight. For sure. Thanks to the gays. I think I want to just touch base on Kelly one more time in the fact that you said that she does have kids, so she's probably holding back, which, you know, as a parent can be appreciated. I think it is a responsible thing to do. But I agree with you. I wanted a little bit more of that anger, even though everything she said about the album creative process, about the different emotions in a relationship makes total sense. But when I listen to an album like Gaslight or By the Chicks, I'm like, okay, she really like took her relationship, poured gasoline on it and like burned it up. And that's kind of what I was expecting with Kelly in a way, because she has talked about the raw emotion and how angry she felt. But again, it's a it's a tough line because, you know, the kids are going to grow up and he is their dad. So where do you draw the line? I suppose it's a great question. I don't know. And if I were a parent, maybe I would feel even I would feel differently than I do. So. So let's get into the hot topic, shall we? Because we have some social media stuff to discuss. A new social media app has joined the conversation, and will it finally bring an end to Twitter? Last week, Mark Zuckerberg and Meta launched Threads, a conversation platform that is a direct alternative and competitor to Twitter. Many have expressed their dissatisfaction on Twitter in recent months as Elon Musk took over the company and made some rapid changes. Twitter has also been notorious as a place where hate speech can thrive, whether it be discourse in politics, entertainment, etc. Mark Zuckerberg hopes Threads is the complete opposite of that, saying, quote, the goal is to keep it as friendly as it expands. There's only one, there's one reason why Twitter never succeeded as much as I think it should have, and we want to do it differently. I have not started using Threads. Mm -hmm. I am actively avoiding using Threads. Um, I was a, a big Twitter user. I was obsessed with it. I used it since like 2008. And I started to, when Elon Musk took over the platform, things obviously started going downhill. But even before then, there was a toxicity to Twitter that was really hard to separate from like the good parts of Twitter. And I think Twitter can be an amazing platform to help organize and bring awareness to causes that a lot of people care about, to activists that people should listen to. But it also just Twitter totally threw their hands up and trying to moderate some of the hate speech that was on there and it only got worse. So I, I admire that the Zuck is trying to bring some some, I don't know, clarity, some lack of lack of trolling on threads. But I also I've seen some of the posts that are on there. I know some of the rules. I know that the the service is tied to your Instagram account. So like you can't delete your threads account single handedly. You have to delete both. And I am not going to participate in it right now. No, I think that's very wise. I was hesitant myself to participate, but I want to backtrack a little bit because I too joined Twitter back in 2008, 2009, made a lot of friends on there. I think we met on there. So it's, yeah. it has its positives, but I do think during the 2016 election is where I personally saw it go down. And my issue with social media as a whole is, you know, not everyone needs a voice. It's great that we all <laughs> have a voice, but do we all need to use it and and express all of our negativity or positivity at all times? Probably not. But with Zuckerberg, I, you know, I do believe that he wants to foster this, you know, space for kindness. I just question his motives just because I do. Right. Facebook, you know, kind of, you know, was really responsible for the downfall of society, 2007, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's a little bit of a PR campaign that he needs to do to say like, 
I'm going to rise above this and I'm going to create a platform that's going to be fine. And I hope he sticks to his word because I do think it should be a platform where that is, you know, free of hate speech, but I just don't believe in the goodness of people all the time. So we'll see now Elon, you know, took over Twitter and he's been doing a whole bunch of, you know, nonsense, but it was going down beforehand as we both kind of mentioned, but do you think that this threads will kind of be the end of Twitter or what, what do you think Elon was also hoping to achieve when he took control of Twitter? I think Elon is a self-serving chaos agent that isn't does, isn't thinking. I don't think he had any any desire to do anything better other than to show, hey, I'm a rich guy that can buy this platform, do whatever the fuck I want with it, and platform the people that I think have been wronged, which are re- Republicans and conservatives. And that's that's all he cares about. And I think that he's hopefully been embarrassed by the response from most people about how, now what Twitter is, why Threads is taking away their power. There's other platforms out there like Blue Sky, which I am a member of and have been very active on the past couple of weeks here. And I think that I hope Twitter does just go away because I, I it doesn't need to exist in the way that he has now made it into what he's made it into. No, I very much agree. I think in the last couple of years, like Twitter used to be really great for breaking news and comedy and just commenting on on different things of pop culture. But of course, it got ruined with, you know, things like Star Wars and the fanboys commenting and showing their racism. Um, and as of recently, I really, all I see on my Twitter is porn. Like truly mm-hmm. all I see is porn. I'm totally fine with that. I don't mind that. Well, um, and that's important to note, by the way, is that, is that threads does not allow nudity or porn. And I, I think Twitter was a great use for porn, but also for like sex workers and for OnlyFans people. And like, there's no way to promote that now. And with, and especially if more people are leaving Twitter and threads becomes the thing that people are using, then those, those folks have nowhere to go to promote their stuff. And that's, that sucks. That does suck, but that's always kind of been the risk of kind of influencers who, you know, there was a time not too long ago, and it's still going on where the entertainment industry was really into the influencer thing. And again, if you're going to be an influencer, you are at the demands of the app that you were using. If, you know, Twitter decides to implode for good tomorrow, then yeah, you're you're not an influencer anymore. You have to rebuild yeah. that following somewhere else. So that's why the whole influencer bubble, I've kind of been waiting for it to burst because they are not famous. They are not true, actually, influencers. They're just kind of moving on that platform. And and I also, yeah, I agree. And I think that people who are influencers who are basically just like creating a brand of who they are and then promoting products like that is passe. But I think people who are sex workers who are actually having an OnlyFans and trying to make money, I I support them having a platform to actually promote themselves. And, you know, we'll see what what happens. For sure. And they'll always kind of be, I mean... Trust me, porn is not going away. So you know, the sex it's work, not it, it's sadly not going away. I'm just kidding. Although Thank Instagram God. really, really does censor um, any kind of pornography there. So I'm sure threads will, will kind of stick to their word there. Right. I hear you. I think I think everyone should have a chance to to, you know, promote themselves. And I think they'll find a new way to do it. It's just kind of always having to be creative. So yeah. to kind of expand on this conversation, you mentioned that you're, you you know, you kind of got off Twitter, you're, you're not joining threads. When I took my European vacation a few weeks ago, I was completely off of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And when I came back, I kind of told my, my coworkers, I was like, I didn't actually need a break from work. Like I needed a break from my phone and these social media. It really makes a huge difference not being on it. And I, one of the things that I was lying awake in bed last night thinking of like, man, it would be really great to kind of go back to, to the pre-2005 years. Like, fine, we'll, we'll keep MySpace because I don't think they had that many people on it. Maybe it did. I don't remember anymore. But it just was 
in my opinion, I'm going to sound like an old timer, but it was just a better time without social media. I can't imagine growing up and having social media and even being in my thirties now and using social media. I'm like, this isn't always the best use of my time. And it's always also not the best, you know, thing for my mental health. Absolutely. And I think you bring up something that is really important in that since MySpace, social media has just become more and more ingrained in our society and there's more types of social media and there hasn't been that many time there hasn't been much time or effort to stop and reflect on the impacts of it and yes there's fantastic research on it that shows what the impacts have been but i think a lot for a lot of people like us in our age who have seen life before and after it you're not the only person to say that like i've heard a lot of other people say like oh yeah i took a break and it was really great i think there needs to be more of a conscious effort to really analyze what you're getting out of social media i was on twitter my mental health was being impacted. I was I was comparing myself against many people. I was checking it in too many spots. I was spending more time on my phone reading and scrolling Twitter than I was doing the things I like, like making music or cooking. So it really it requires a conscious effort to find that balance of getting connection from it and the the good parts of it, the news, the porn, and then the bad parts, the the mental health impacts. Yeah, for sure. And of course, that there are lots of uh, pros as well, as you mentioned, um, just being able to connect with people from all over the world and making friends that way is, is you know, something that is valuable. Um, and also, I think a lot of celebrities did find use in kind of being able to talk directly to their fans. Exactly. Uh, I have ranted about some celebrities shouldn't be on social media because you do want that <laughs> mystique. Um, but it is what it is. And it is nice to kind of have that direct line to people you love. Which brings me to my next topic, which is frequent Instagram user Britney Spears. As fans are rallying behind Britney after the singer was slapped in Las Vegas, a video shows the pop princess approaching basketball player Victor Wembanyama. Excuse me if I got that name wrong. Um, I am not a sports person. And uh, so Britney approached Victor, tapped him on the back when his security guard immediately backhands her across the face. Britney took to her Instagram to vent and explain that she's been in the limelight all her life and that she's never seen security for herself or for anyone else, hit someone. The basketball player had initially stated that Britney grabbed him and that's why she was hit, but the video shows otherwise. The Las Vegas Metro Police Department has closed its investigation and no charges will be filed against Victor Security. So I'm assuming you've seen the video. What did you think of the whole thing? I mean, it's sad. It's It sucks because the, the security car probably just thought he was doing his job. Brittany thought she was innocently going to interact with someone. I feel like, I mean, I don't really know what, uh, what the rights of a security guard are, but I feel like to immediately assault someone seems not within their job description. So I'm surprised that the there are no charges being filed. And, and you know, maybe that's on Brittany's decision too. I haven't read much into that part of it, but it's it just is a very unfortunate situation to happen to someone like her who has already gone through so much. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, it, yes, I don't think the slap was intentional, but if you're going to be a security guard for someone, you have to be kind of used to people approaching and you're not going to slap everyone that approaches. You're going right. to at least like put your body in front of the person, something, but I, I don't think we should ever resort to violence. And I feel bad that it happened to Brittany because obviously she's had kind of a rough couple of years and she you know rarely goes out in public so when she does and she gets excited about someone she just wants to kind of have a moment she gets slapped and i think that's sad do i think trial charges should be filed mm, i don't know again like you said maybe britney doesn't want that maybe it is too much of a hassle and again seeing the video it looked unintentional but um not cool not cool yeah. at all. not cool at all i felt really bad for her and of course her post like made total sense. It kind of broke my heart as, as most of her posts do. Yeah, um, me too. Do you think that Britney Spears will ever make music again? And will she return to 
being the performer that we know and love? I truly don't know. And I, I, I don't even know how to predict it at this point because she, I want her to be happy more than anything. I want her to, to live a peaceful life. She's given the entertainment industry. She's giving music so much of herself and enough for a lifetime. As a fan, I would absolutely love another album or tour and or tour or residency. Like, sure, that would be fantastic. But the more time passes and the more I see what kind of mindset she seems to be in, the more I wonder, like, oh, maybe it is time for her to just not for to retire, basically, which is really hard to say as a fan. Very much so. I think I, you're hitting all the same notes that I would hit. Like selfishly, of course, I want Britney to make 10 more albums, go on 10 more tours, do everything in the entertainment sphere and just kind of be back on top. But it kind of goes back to our conversation about social media, whereas we're choosing to remove ourselves from certain platforms because they do us harm. And I think with Britney, she's realizing, hey, I'm very thankful for everything that I've been able to do, but this doesn't bring me joy. This doesn't make me happy. I don't feel healthy when I'm performing anymore. I don't feel healthy when I'm making music anymore. So I need to remove myself. And for that, I just have to applaud her. Yeah. And she, I mean, she released a song with Elton John. Uh, Will I Am, apparently, in uh, in Good Morning America a couple of months ago, or maybe it was Good, I don't remember if it was Good Morning America or some morning show. He said that he's been working with Britney on music. So apparently she is working on music somehow. And so maybe we will get something. Okay, well, this is breaking news that you just broke to me, but also now I have the chills because I don't know if I want Britney working with Will. I. <laughs> the Britney Jean album is her worst of the the bunch there. There's Work Bitch and Alien are the only good songs on that album, in my opinion. Sorry. I wouldn't even list Work Bitch on there, but, you know, that's me. You, you know, Work Bitch was a, a strong single to, to lead with. <laughs> we should talk about the actual, I mean... There are vocal stems from that album that show that Britney did not sing that song. Yes, there's a whole, yes, we know about the Maya Marie thing. This is real deep cut for the listeners who, yes, yeah. the rumor <laughs> that, that Britney had a ghost performer, and she probably did, and that's, you know, the sign of the times. And also the whole thing with William Orbit and like the alien track skipping, that album is just a mess. Um, the cover is a mess, the songs are a mess. Not a great time. Um, it's sandwiched between um, two great albums, though, which I think are... Um, that is the truth. Yeah, Femme Fatale and um, Glory. So we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, speaking of kind of going on this theme of social media and kind of performers, um, it seems that nobody knows how to behave anymore because concert season is in full swing, but a disturbing new trend is emerging as certain fans or maybe haters are throwing things at the performers and in some cases injuring them. Can you help me pronounce her name? Because I don't really know. Is it BB Rexa? BB Rexa. You got it. All right. I'm not that old, people. So BB Rexa had a cell phone thrown in her face, as did Drake, though he dodged it. Ava Max was slapped. I guess that's not technically someone throwing her, but it's still, you know, people behaving poorly in public. Harry Styles was hit in the eye with who knows. And most oddly of all, perhaps, Pink was given a wheel of brie and then had another fan throw their mother's ashes at her while she was performing. Adele paused her Vegas show to warn fans that she will kill them if they throw something at her. So <laughs> pop stars beware. It's not safe for anyone. But why do you think this is happening? Uh, also to add, Kelsia Ballerini had something thrown at her face the other, oh, uh, yes, the other day at the concert. Uh, yeah. I just, I this infuriates me. That video of BB Rexa getting hit in the face with a phone was just so hard to watch. And I felt awful for her. And this, you know, People have been going to live shows for decades and decades, and I'm sure this stuff kind of this stuff happens. But to see it happen so frequently, I think, is a symptom of the attention culture that 
going back to social media, I think that's why we are here. And the person who threw the phone at baby Rexa, he said he did it because he thought it would be funny. The guy who hit Ava Max in the face said he was doing it because he wanted to give her his number and that he's just, and you could read his Twitter. He's an obsessed, crazy fan. But I think more than anything, these people knew they would get the attention that they are getting now because of these videos and these incidents. Oh, very much so. I mean, it's very layered. I mean, there is the, you know, the the fanatic approach to it where, you know, certain fans can get dangerous to the artists that they love. There is, of course, a social media aspect where people just love seeing something go viral. And so they're going to do it, hoping that it does go viral, even if it injures someone, just to kind of see that moment replayed over on TikTok, on YouTube, whatever, and being like, oh, I, I did that. I'm responsible for that. Like, yeah, no, they're not thinking clearly. I think part of it, too, is... COVID, people kind of have forgotten how to behave in public in general. But it's really frustrating because they're going to ruin the concert going experience even more so than it's already been ruined. Um, the stage should be a safe place for performers. And that's infuriating in and of itself. And I hope people wisen up and just stop. Like, I don't know what's it, what's it going to take. Like, you can't really have security check every individual item that someone has. I mean, they're going to check for weapons. But you know, a cell phone is a weapon now. Right. That's, so. I think that is the important part of this too. And I, I think I've mentioned, I have a Substack called the echo spot where I just write about music and stuff that I like. And I wrote a, a piece about the impacts of phones and concerts and not only are phones now being thrown at people, but it's just the general use of usage of phone at phones at concerts. It's, it's one of the, it's another example of life not being able to catch up with technology. So people are therefore using the technology that is given to them in their phones now to record entire shows and block someone's view and now to throw the phones at the performer. So I am actually in favor of phones just not being used at all. Like I, I when we saw Madonna for Bad MX, they put our phones in those yonder pouches and we yeah. didn't have access to them, but we had them. And if we wanted to go use them for something, then we could go and get them opened. I think that should be available every freaking show. And the other thing I want to quickly say is that some artists, I saw Natalie Merchant recently, she promotes using your phones for certain songs. So like the encores and that usually the encores when the artist is going to perform the big songs that people want a video of anyway. So there needs to be a change here because this is so fucked up and artists should not be put in danger for something like this. No, absolutely. Artists should not be put in danger. And yeah, cell phones, I think, are the thing that have ruined the concert going experience most other than, you know, outrageous ticket prices. Um, you're right. It completely takes people out of the moment. It's sometimes I'm like, why are you even here? You're just going to record the whole show anyway. You're not even in the moment and you're not even present. And that's why I did love going to the Madonna show, even though having the phone in a pouch, like even in my jacket that night, like every time it vibrated, I would kind of get a pang of anxiety. Um, and for what? It's not worth exactly. It. It's addiction. It's it's addiction that we all need help curbing. Yes. Speaking of Madonna, she has finally broken her silence after her hospitalization late last month. She posted on Instagram earlier today thanking fans for their love and well wishes and that she's on the road to recovery. Regarding her Celebration World Tour, Madonna has stated that the current plan is to postpone the start until October in Europe and reschedule the North American dates. How are we feeling? I'm relieved to hear from her and see her more than anything. I think just the lack of anything from her just makes everybody's minds race and and makes you just question like oh my god is she actually okay but she oh, clearly oh. is on she clearly is on the mend and i absolutely support her doing this it, it makes the most sense for her health yes i've been going on a whole like journey with this one because i would actually be devastated if she were to die um 
I, you know, of course want to see her on this tour, but again, like don't do the tour. I just focus on, on getting healthy. Like we don't need the show that badly. We need you in the world more than we need the, the tour. Um, yes. And I know that we've discussed how much I hate, hate, hate Madonna's Instagram presence have hated it for years. I have never been happier than when I saw her post this morning. I was like, <laughs> thank God she's back. I needed it. Um, it just made me happy to know that she's okay. And then I don't know if you saw the picture of her walking in New York, um, you know, yep. just wearing Nike sneakers, like looking like a, a regular, you know, person. Like a Florida tourist. Truly like a Florida tourist. Not not a great look, but also just happy that you're walking, that you're out in public and um it just made me happy. Um, we have a few minutes. So I wanted to quickly talk about Madonna as a performer in general, just because this tour was going to be grueling. It was going to be, I think, 84 dates. She, you know, really pushes herself to the limit in terms of dancing and putting on a stage production. Yes, you know, we have Elton John, we have Cher, we have, you know, Mick Jagger all performing shows out there still, but they're not doing shows at the level that Madonna is. So I don't think those comparisons are always fair because Madonna really puts on a, like a Beyonce Gaga level type show and totally. she kind of uh you know started that whole trend of like the super pop concert so you've seen Madonna live I've seen Madonna live for the listeners what's your favorite Madonna performance oh my god I I think that if I had to say it would be the Drowned World tour I I love that tour I love that set list I love the themes that she chose I love the mix of her performing with the introduction of her performing with guitar. That was like the first tour she did that. And if I, you know, if I could go back in time and see a tour, that would be the one. Oh, totally. I, I love that tour as well. Um, and again, like it's, that was the tour in support of the Ray of Light album and the music album, which are two solid, right. solid places in her discography. Um, Confessions tour, of course, was my first time seeing Madonna and mm. what a time to be alive. I tell you when she does the like a virgin on that horse, it's just amazing. I miss her. I miss her. I can't wait for her to come back eventually. She will. Yes, she absolutely will. I just hope she takes it easy and kind of uses this as a, you know, I love that she said that she thinks about, she thought her first thought was about being a mother. And I think that that's her intentions are in the right spot. And that is the most important thing. We just don't want to lose her. So no, we're pulling for you. We can't wait to see you. Uh, finally, it's the movie all the gays are eagerly waiting for. And Barbie has finally had its premiere last night in Los Angeles. The press tour is in full swing. Margot Robbie was wearing a traditional Barbie outfit and Ryan Gosling was wearing a pink suit and a Barbie necklace with the letter E for his longtime partner, Eva Mendez. Reactions for the film started pouring in and they are stellar saying, the script is smart, it's visually entertaining, great performances with Ryan Gosling kind of stealing the show as Ken in kind of every single scene that he's in which I wonder how Margot feels about that. But again, what do you think of this press tour so far? And do you think this is going to beat Oppenheimer? Oof. I don't know if it'll beat Oppenheimer, but just because of the the more niche audience I think this has compared to what Oppenheimer has. But really? I, I don't know. I disagree with you there just because Barbie is, you know, yes, it's going to be niche in the sense that like this is a film for ladies and gays. And gays, right. That's We're niche still. <laughs> we are niche still, but I'd say Oppenheimer is like very niche. Like how many people are really clamoring for a movie about like the creator of the atomic bomb right now. <laughs> I Maybe it's, I just see those movies as ones that will bring out every kind of person, whether it's a movie lover or like a grandpa who wants to learn more about that. So I just, I don't know. I And I'm also, I want movies like Barbie to get that kind of acclaim and attention. So maybe I'm being pessimistic. I hope it beats it. Let's be clear. 
I mean, I there's there's room for everyone. I, I know you've seen the whole Barbenheimer kind of thing that's been going going along. Um, and I think more power to it. I, I do think Barbie, I have strong feelings that Barbie will come out on top just because it is so popular culture. It's like the name recognition of Barbie alone is something that everyone knows, whether you're a boy, girl, young, old, you played with them, you haven't played with them. Everybody knows Barbie. Everyone kind of knows that this is kind of a satire on the whole thing. It's not like a kid's movie. Um, so I'm hoping people are curious and want to check it out. Um, yeah. Seen anything with the press store because it's been really fun. I saw some of their interview, the, the cast interviews on the Kelly Clarkson show, which was cute. I saw some pictures from the premiere of everyone's fashion. But honestly, I have tried. I've been trying to avoid as much as I can about the movie. And I've been trying to avoid the trailers because I wanted it to be a surprise. I didn't want the trailer to give away too many funny scenes or even the plot. But then I went and saw Asteroid City a couple weekends ago and they showed the trailer. So now I know what to expect. I'm even more excited and I can't wait. Yeah, sometimes trailers do give away a bit too much. But um, aside from the press tour, like they they painted Los Angeles pink. Like there's a, there's an actual Malibu Barbie dream house now that people can stay in. Like if there's ever a time for marketing and, and PR to have fun, like with a film, like Barbie's it. And I think yeah. it's kind of infectious, like kind of seeing all the marketing around LA. It's like, oh yeah, this is fun. I can't wait to escape just for two hours and watch Barbie. Yeah, I'm so excited. On that note... Thank you so much for joining me. 30 My minutes, pleasure. 30 minutes goes by so fast with you always. And I it does. believe that we're done. But thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll check in soon. 